My name is John Olkowski, as he said. I'm uh, uh, the apprentice uh, minister here with Crosspoint. What a, what a blessing that has been, um, an encouragement, and uh, just exciting for me to be up here, exciting for me to have this opportunity uh, to step up the training that, I've, that I've, has begun so long ago. Um, I actually have been in school uh, for a number of years now, seeking uh, pastoral ministry, seeking the knowledge and the education that would, would be best used by the Lord in this position. And now this opportunity to come um, and, and be part of Cross Point Church on this level, uh, I, I can't say enough how, how grateful and, and uh, encouraged and excited uh, I am. Um, before I get any further, though, I'd, I'd call on the Lord and uh, seek his, his provision in and through uh, his word. Father, you have prepared us uh, with your worship. Um, we've, we have been prepared by, your, by those lyrics that uh, your love never fails, never gives up. And uh, that, that is what your word is telling us today, is that your love never fails. It never gives up. You're, you're coming for us, and uh, we rejoice. We rejoice as we, as we fall short of your, of your glory. You, you, you never give up. As we uh, ignore your glory at times, you never give up. You're always coming. Your grace is overwhelming. Your love is never-ending. Father, uh, I pray that you'd be with us in your power today, specifically and with me. Uh, may the Holy Spirit be using me uh, to proclaim your word. May you be powerfully in, in and among us to open our hearts, that we may receive your word, that we may be changed by your word, and that uh, as we proclaim your holiness, your glory, your love through your word today, that we would leave changed. We would leave more like Christ than when we came in. That is the goal, that we would come to know him, to love him on a greater level, to trust him more deeply, and, and to leave more like him. And, and it is for your glory, and in his holy name we pray. Amen. The passage we're going to look at today is Proverbs 1, uh, 20 through 33, and we kind of have been progressing through Proverbs here, and, and this week we're backtracking a little, and I, I realize that, but I think there's a great message here um, from wisdom uh, for us to hear. And like I said, I have been training for this for a little while, but this is still new. So, so bear with me as I stumble and start here and there. But uh, when we get to open up your word, or his word, we'll, uh, we'll start in verse 20. The message here, like I said, is from wisdom. It is a, a sermonette of sorts in, in Proverbs 1. It is a warning is what this passage is. It's a warning to the simple specifically, but it's a warning to flee from foolishness, foolish trust in self, and to turn 
the true peace and security that is offered only in Christ. Verse 20 says, Wisdom cries aloud in the streets. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? We're going to pause there. We're going to make our way through, but we're going to pause right there for just a moment. In these first two verses, I want you to see the calling out. I want you to see the seeking out. Wisdom is coming to the fool, the scoffer, the simple. She is seeking them out. They're not looking for her. They have no real interest in finding wisdom. She is searching them out. She's in the streets. She's in the gates. She's crying above all the noise of the city, all the chaos of life. She's calling to them. It's not that she can't be heard. It's that she's being ignored. They would have nothing to do with her. In the trials of our life, in in the temptations, and when we're in the middle of tragedy and, and we need wisdom, we need guidance, we need help, and decisions have to be made, she's there. She's crying out above all of that noise. She's available to all that would have her. She can be heard by all if you're listening. God is seen throughout Scripture as being proclaimed by creation. We we use this in witnessing. uh, How do we know God exists? This tree is here. How do we know God exists? How do we know a builder exists? The building exists. How do we know God exists? This tree exists. His creation proclaims him. Psalm 19.1 The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaim his handiwork. He can be seen just as God can be seen in all of creation. Wisdom can be heard by the believer and the unbeliever alike. She's available. She's seeking you out. Verse 22 says, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? Notice she's not speaking to the fool or the scoffer here, when she says, how long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? She's not speaking to them. She says, how long, O simple, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers love scoffing? She's talking about the scoffers. She's not talking to them. She's talking to the simple. This is a warning to the simple. This is where, as Dave said two weeks ago, this is where your path leads. You continue in your simplicity, you will fall into foolishness. And your complacency towards the things of God will lead you to a scoffer and through him to destruction. We need to recognize here um, when we're speaking of the simple, we've got three, three people here we're talking to, the, the fool, the scoffer, and the simple. And when we're, when we're talking about the simple, we're not talking about someone that's dumb. Um, this isn't uh, an intelligence thing. Uh, the fool, the scoffer, and the uh, simple are not intellectually lacking. This isn't an information. It's a heart change issue. This is a matter of their heart. It's not that we need to give them more info. It's that they need to turn. They need to change their outlook. Uh, They reject the fear of the Lord. They reject wisdom. That is fundamentally their problem. It's a heart issue. Proverbs uh, 7.7, Solomon tells us, 
what the definition of, a fool, uh, of the simple are. Uh, I perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense. A young man lacking sense. Not just new. This isn't, he's not experienced. Uh, Derek Kidner, a commentator on this passage, he kind of goes a little deeper with what a simple person looks like. They're young, inexperienced, naive, irresponsible, aimless. They're drifting towards and into temptation. It's not that they're foolish per se. It's that they are prone to wandering. They, they easily fall into temptation. That's just their proclivity. They, they tend to go that way. The simple stays in their simplicity, and they just kind of naturally go into foolishness. It, it comes naturally to them. Uh, Derek Kidner continues, One does not stay still. We're not motionless in this life. In, in, in life or in, in spiritual walk, we're not motionless. We're not standing still. One does not stand still. A man who is empty-headed will end up wrong-headed. And the simple is a person whose instability could be rectified, but who prefers not to accept discipline in the school of wisdom. Discipline. It's a choice. It's not natural for the simple to choose wisdom. They must choose wisdom. It is a calling on them. Naturally, they would continue in simplicity to foolishness. What he's saying, is, though, in that passage, is there's still hope. It's not too late for the simple. There is that opportunity. Wisdom is still calling. Their placement among the fools and the scoffers in verse 23 is a warning, like I said. They have the opportunity to heed that warning, to leave their trust in themselves and to trust in Christ. Solomon mentions the scoffer in this passage next. Uh, this is a picture of the scoffer. It's, it's more than the fool um, in in his refusal of correction. He's not just a fool, he's more than that. He refuses correction, he runs, tongue-wagging towards death. He's just got his tongue going and he's ready. Ready to run to foolishness, to death, to destruction. He doesn't mind. He's scoffing all the way. The rebuking him only brings harm to yourself. And wherever he is, Proverbs says, is strife and discord. This is the picture of the scoffer that we have. Finally, wisdom gets to fool. Now, in Proverbs, there are three different words for fool in the Hebrew uh, throughout the book of Proverbs. The first one is kesil. Now, this is the, the dullard, the uh, stupid fool. Uh, this is the guy that uh, you always see in the ER on the 4th of July with miscellaneous fireworks accidents. He, he just can't help himself but to hurt himself. That, that's kesil. Uh, the next guy we're looking at is evil, um, and his name is, is, is pretty much picturesque of what he is. This is a morally corrupt fool. Now, unlike the Kassil, unlike the stupid fool, he not only is hurting himself, he is dangerous to be around. And I, I hope you don't know people like this, but anybody maybe uh, can't keep themselves out of jail. Might be a nice guy, just can't seem to get his life on the right track. That's the morally corrupt fool. Uh, the final fool we're gonna, that Proverbs speaks of is Nabal. Uh, Nabal, now this is the stubborn animal, the stubborn fool. I'm probably the stubborn fool, um, but I'm sure I'm not alone. And uh, your wife knows who you are. The uh, unifying theme that uh, Solomon uses throughout this is uh, Proverbs 20. 
8.26. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. Pastor Warren Wearsby sums it up with the statement, fools are fools no matter what name we give them. And, and that's what we're going to, that's our underlying premise here. We're going we're to look at the fool in all his names, in all his demonstrations. There are more than 70 different references to the fool throughout the book of Proverbs. Uh, he is seen as hating knowledge in chapter 1, verse 22, despising wisdom in chapter seven, 1, verse 7. He thinks evil is a joke in chapter 10, verse 23. And he sees repentance as an abomination, it says in chapter 13, verse 19. Also in, in Psalm 53, 1, and in Psalm 14, 1, he says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now, this isn't necessarily speaking of an atheist. It could. Uh, the, the atheist obviously says in his heart, there is no God. But this doesn't mean that he's definitely talking about atheists. Anyone that acts like there is no God is a fool. When believers go about their lives trusting in themselves, not seeking the wisdom of God in his word, not seeking the counsel of God, wisdom's telling you you were a fool. The simple remain simple because they reject any advice given by wisdom. And, and verse 22, the last thing I'm going to say about it is, if you look at it, he lays a, wisdom lays a rebuke at the feet of the simple. He's telling him, you are simple. He's, he's not questioning it. How long, O oh simple ones, will you remain simple? The question implies that not only are they simple, but it's time for you to grow up. The time has come. We've left you long enough. You have to change. When will you change? When my four-year-old goes across the street, picks flowers from the neighbor's yard, brings them over to mom, happy Mother's Day, the neighbor's not real upset. Mom's not upset. Dad's not upset. When dad does that same thing, not so cute. It's, it's time to grow up. Our focus needs to change from ourselves, our desires, our wants, our needs, to focus on him. And we're all guilty of this on some level. But the call here is to recognize it, to turn from it, and to trust in Christ. Let's look at some promises. Let's look at some, some good news for just a moment. We'll get back to some more bad news. Uh, verse 23 through 25 says, If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand and no one is heeded, because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. Wait just a minute then. We're going to ramp up here in just a minute, but I want to stop back again, up and down. To turn from the reproof of wisdom. Verse 23, if you turn at my reproof, that is a picture of repentance. Turn at my reproof. Recognize your need. Repent of your scoffing. Repent of your hatred of knowledge. Repent of your simplicity. And what do you get? I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. What are we looking at here? We're looking at uh, Joel 2.28 and Acts 2.17. This is a picture of the outpouring of the Spirit of God on his people. This is a gift and a blessing. John 16.13 describes this as 
when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all of his truth. That's the type of picture we're looking at here. We're looking at salvation and hope. We're looking at the Spirit of God coming and living among us. When wisdom will lead us to Christ. Wisdom will lead us to Christ. How is he going to do that? We're going to leave our passage for just a minute. We're going to go to Proverbs 2. Proverbs 2, 6 tells us, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. True wisdom comes from the mouth of the Lord. Knowledge and understanding come from his word. In our turning to Christ, in our trusting in him, in our study of his word, in our submission to obedience to what we read. We receive the blessings of Proverbs 2.8. God is watching over the way of his saints. We receive the promises of God. This is where wisdom is leading us. This is why so adamantly in 24 and 25, she's rebuking. Why so adamantly in 22, she's calling us out. The offer has been extended in 23. The blessings have been promised. The rejection of knowledge, the rejection of wisdom is the end of the fool. She's giving us a picture of the end. This is where your road leads. This is where that path is going. The fool ends up asking, why has wisdom abandoned me? Why am I left all on my own when the trials come? Why am I here all by myself? Where are you? You were calling. I'm alone. She says, because. Because I called and you did not listen. I stretched out my hand to you and you did not heed it. I counseled and you ignored. I reproofed and you rejected. You would not have me. The simpler being warned here, this is where simplicity leads. Rejection of wisdom leads to rejection by wisdom. As we continue to try and fix ourselves, we're going we're to do it in our own strength. We're going to get it done. And we don't turn to Christ in prayer. We don't look to his word daily for wisdom. No, we got it. We don't need him. We need him on Sundays. We don't need him any other time. We got it. We are under control. The change needs to come in your heart. That change is brought through these things that wisdom are calling us to do. We can't change ourselves. We need to fall on the mercy of Christ. He's the only one that can change our hearts. He's who we need. The gift of salvation is freely offered to all that will repent. We need to repent. The tone that wisdom takes here can be harsh and, and can be, even be threatening. You read through this passage straight through, it, it, it's a hard message. But I want you to see another aspect of, of the way that she's calling. It's not just harsh. It's not just threatening. It is those things, but it's more than that. It's, it's longing. It's a longing of God. I want, I want you to see Matthew 23. Jesus standing in Jerusalem going, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem! How often I would have gathered you like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. You were not willing. 
This picture is, is that of a mother crying out, desperate. Her children are running into the street. She is doing all she can. Stop! I see the danger. Stop and turn to me. Come to me. I will protect you. I will put you in my arms. I will hold you. You will be fine. You're running. I'm calling. She's doing all she can. She's doing everything she can. She's threatening. She's doing everything she knows to do to stop that child. And this is what God is doing here through wisdom. He's calling to us. He's pleading with us. He's warning us. This is her final warning. As I said, we're going to see a picture of how the fool ends. So this becomes a final warning. Do not reject me. The time is coming when the warning will stop. 2 Peter 3.10 says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Judgment will come. Those that will repent will turn to the safety of Christ, will be spared. But the fool has only verse 26 and 27 to look forward to. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, wisdom's done all she can. She's called everywhere she could think to call. She's above all of the noise of life. She's been rejected. The reference is here to storms, to calamity, to to whirlwinds and terror. These are themes of judgment. This is the end of the fool. We saw wisdom laughing. She's mocking. But is she vindictive? Is she malicious? Is she happy at our downfall? Is that the picture of God that we have from this passage? No. I want to answer that no. While granted freely, the wisdom of God must be apprehended. You must accept it and you must appropriate it. This is a warning. If, without the seeking of wisdom, without the turning from her rebukes, and without the heed of her call during the storms of life, to you, she will be nothing but a laughing voice. You did not take her advice. You did not appropriate the skills she was promising you. It is foolish trust in self that leads to destruction on Judgment Day. Heed her call. Go through that trial with the skill for life that she's promising. I want you to see where trust in self leads just one more moment. Verse 27. When terror strikes you. Not when, not if, when. It's going to happen. When terror strikes you, verse 28, then you will call out, Verse 29, because you hated knowledge and relied on your own wisdom. Verse 31, therefore, you will have the fill of your own way. The fool had every opportunity to heed the call. 
He could have turned path at any time. There's a picture of this in a a news article uh, I read quite a while ago, but it it popped in my head when I was doing the study for this. And it's it's a dark picture, and I'm smiling because of of, uh, just the way it came about. But it is a dark picture, and much like this passage, can be can be dark. It was a ten most uh, ostentatious falls from lottery winnings. And uh, the picture was of a gentleman. Uh, he was raised in a home. Uh, it was a, a poor home in, in a mountain, mountainous region of, of the south. And he didn't have a TV until after he left. His parents finally got their first TV. It was, it was a poor home. No car. They walked everywhere. That sort of thing. At 15, he got married and started a construction company. He worked that construction company up to a million-dollar business. That was just his take-home. Uh, the newspaper article said he was making 15 to $17 million a year in business, but he was taking home a million bucks. His family was loving it. He was lavishing them with gifts. Not only this, he was a godly man. He was a deacon of his church. He gave to charity. He, he even started his own charities. He assisted in, in, um, in the upkeep and the building of his church. Christmas Eve, he went out and bought a lottery ticket. Christmas Day, he won $315 million. Perfect guy to win that much money. He was already a millionaire. He knew what to do with money. He knew how to handle it. So he thought. So everybody thought. Within four years, his granddaughter was dead. Drug overdose. Daughter was dead. Wife had left him. He was the town drunk now, philanderer. He had a $1.5 million debt to a gambling casino in Vegas. He uh, had planes and jets. He continued doing his good things. He built two churches during those times. He started more foundations. He had a foundation in his name where you could just write into him and he'd give away you money. He'd buy you houses, cars, mink coats, whatever you wanted. He spent $50 million just doing that. Giving, giving. Tore him up. He lost everything. He died eight years later. Before he died, he was living off $400 a month and food stamps. Within eight years, he'd gone through $315 million and more. Lost his businesses, lost his family, lost his life. I want, to see, I want us to see two things in this. God gave him up. He loved money. He didn't love God. He didn't want wisdom. He wanted money. God gave him what he loved, and what he loved destroyed him. Two, he was a fool. Was wisdom not there the whole time? He knew pastors. He knew church bodies. He had the love of of fellowship. He had the opportunity of the word of God being preached. Did he heed the call and turn? He was a fool. This last section we're going to get to is uh, verse 32 and 33. This is where wisdom lays it all on the line. She says, Choose this day whom you shall serve, whether it be your selfish desires, your own self, trust in self, or whether it be me whether it be the wisdom of God that leads to Christ. 
for the simple are killed by their turning away. And the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. There's hope there. We'll make it there. How are the simple killed? The simple killed are are killed by their turning away. We, We look back to verse 23, and it says, If you will turn at my reproof, you'll get all these blessings. If you will turn at my reproof, I'll pour my spirit onto you. If you will turn at my reproof, I will make my words known to you. It's this turning that is bringing us to the prosperity, to to life, to Christ, to salvation. In this passage, if you will turn from wisdom, he will kill you. I also want to see wisdom continuing on. Complacency of fools destroys them. And I'll focus in on that word complacency. If we look at it in Hebrew, it actually means ease or Careless security. Verse 33, whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease. Verse 32, the complacency of fools destroys them. Ease, careless security. What he's saying is you can either have the ease and true security that comes from life in Christ or you can choose the careless security of the fool, which destroys them. Choices before you. The distinction uh, of fools, or the description of fools, uh, can happen on earth. And we've seen it in this last example. It, it happens in finances. It happens in families. It happens in careers. It happens in our daily lives. We destroy everything by our foolishness because we trust in ourselves. We refuse to turn to the ways of God. We refuse to listen to the counsel of God. We, we'll destroy our families here. But it's more than that. This destruction, complacency of fools destroys them. This is an eternal destruction. This choice, the choice of following wisdom, of following Christ and the counsel of God, or following ourselves, the choice is an eternal choice. This is going to stretch on. Jesus says the embodiment of God's wisdom is the peace and security offered by wisdom in this passage. Verse 33, ease and without dread of disaster. This is Christ. This is the security that comes from knowing him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. True rest and security come only through submission to the lordship of Christ. He is the wisdom of God. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, John 3.36. You can't get any more secure than that. One last final illustration so we can see this from a scriptural point of view. I want to look at Proverbs, or Proverbs, I'm sorry. I want to look at the parable of of the uh, prodigal son, uh, Luke 15. Uh, I'm not going to be able to go through the whole parable probably coming close on time as it is. But in your own time, Luke 15, 11 through 32, parable of the prodigal son. I'm sure most of you already know it. It's it's this picture of uh, a father and a son and a brother living on a farm. More than that, in its context, it's a picture of the salvation of God. It's the picture of the love of God for humanity. 
But what I want to focus in on, what I want to to pull out for our purposes today, is this picture of a loving father. This picture of a father who cares for his children, who is teaching them, instructing them in the ways of God. Now, in this parable, the father is God. So you can't get any better instructor. He's teaching them. He's instructing them. He's leading them in the love of the Lord daily in his home. The son rejects all of this. The son wants the inheritance that's due to him when the father dies. Basically, whatever, uh, what, what the son is saying to the father here is, Father, I wish you were dead. So give me your money. I'll be off. And so he does. A few days later, he takes the money and he goes into a far country and squanders it in reckless living. At this point, a famine has reached the land. Now, he's, he's squandered all his money. He's got nothing left. He's broke. Now he's broke away from home, away from his family, away from everybody. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't have any money left. Apparently, he didn't make any friends with that money. Spent it on himself, as we expect a fool. He's got an opportunity here. As we said, wisdom is calling out. She's seeking him out. She's available. Turn. Proverbs 26, 11, the fool repeats his folly. Instead of turning to wisdom, this boy turns to himself, gets himself a job at a pig farm. I got it under control. I got a job. Never mind um, the fact that he's a prominent Jewish son working in a pig farm. We won't go into all of that. But he has insulted wisdom. He's run from wisdom. He's run from his father. He's run from every source of wisdom that he has. He's trusted in himself. And where his self has left him, longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. That's where self-sufficiently led him. Foolishness leads to destitution. The story does have a happy ending. If you know the story, he does turn at this point. He's hungry. He doesn't want to eat the pig food. He goes home. Wisdom, he heeds wisdom. More importantly, he heeds wisdom. He goes back to the Father. The Father's there with open arms. This is a picture of the salvation of God offered in his Son to all that will repent and turn to the finished work of Christ on his cross. That's what the point is. He turns. He receives. Open arms. Where are we in this picture? Are we running from God? Are we even listening to his wisdom? Do you know Christ alone as your Savior? Have you trusted him alone? Or are you trusting in yourself? As we sit in this church Sunday after Sunday, listening to God's word being preached to us, do we let it go in one ear and out the other? We've got the people of God, the children of God, the provision and the blessing of the church surrounding us. We've got the opportunity here to hear from God weekly and to obey what he said, to live in the wisdom that is offered, but do we do it in our own strength? Is it more about us? Do you think that this message is for somebody else? Did you pick somebody during it? Hey, that guy's a fool. 
do you think you don't need Christ or his body, his children, his people surrounding you? You're fine on your own. I got it covered. I'll get a job at a big farm. Wisdom's telling you here, you are a fool. Those that hear this message, those that hear this message and internalize it, those that hear this message from wisdom, not my message, <laughs> the wisdom, wisdom sermon here in, in Proverbs 1, and they, they hear it and they recognize their foolishness. Wisdom says you are wise. Wisdom says that you have the opportunity now to repent, turn to the ease, the rest, the security offered in Christ. Turn to the wisdom of God. Charles Spurgeon says, Jesus Christ does not save the worthy, but the unworthy. Your plea must not be righteousness, but guilt. He's seeking you out. He's longing for you to turn, to give him the glory he deserves. The call of wisdom in this passage is not just to wise living. It is to eternal living. These choices that we make do not just affect now. And they do affect now, but not just now. They affect eternity. Christ came to this earth as the embodiment of the wisdom of God. He is the wisdom of God. He lived the perfect, sinless life that not only as fools we can't live, we openly reject and won't live. He took the cross willingly, taking our sin, our punishment, our condemnation to the grave. He rose again that third day, granting us hope, hope of resurrection with him. If we will heed the call in this passage and turn from ourselves and trust in Christ, wisdom is promising she will hear. She is speaking to us today in her word. And we can either continue on as fools, trusting in ourselves, or we can turn from ourselves and we can trust in that when we repent and trust in Christ, we will receive the blessings promised in his word, life of ease. Verse 33, we will be at ease without dread of disaster, eternal security. We are his. Let's pray. Father, this message is a strong message. It's a hard message. It's a loving message. Lord, you you are calling us to respond. You are calling us to hear you and to take the free gift that is offered in your Son. This is more than the wisdom for life. This is the wisdom for eternal life. Your Son took that cross so that we could be with you, to reconcile us to our Father in heaven, and we rejoice in that. We rejoice in this free gift, and we rejoice in your word, and we rejoice in this opportunity now to give ourselves to you. Whether it be for wisdom for life, for wisdom for the trial, for wisdom for how to walk, we know that it can be found in your word, and we know that if we will repent of the way we are walking and trusting in ourselves, that you will lead us in that way. And this can be more than that. This could be the day of salvation. This could be an eternal day. If we will turn from ourselves and trust in Christ alone to save us from the sin debt that we have accumulated before you, the the debt that has been paid, 
Father, we rejoice. We rejoice at that opportunity, and I pray that we hear it, that we heed the call. Thank you, Father, for your word and this opportunity. Thank you for your grace and for your son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Maybe give a benediction before we go. I'm going to turn to Ephesians 1. I'm going to look at 15 to 32 and send you on your way for this week. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, to give thanks to you, to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, which are, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. God bless you. Have a good week.